We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you on this beautiful Montana morning. Isn't it amazing? How many are ready for summer? Yes, I am too. And uh, our kids uh, have one graduate. They're, they're home now for the summer. That's a whole lot of fun <laughs> in some ways. Um, but we are excited for the summer. We're excited for what God is doing, especially this week at camp. I just want to reiterate reiterate and say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Your generosity has been able to send 85 kids to youth camp, and uh, we're just so grateful that you chose to sow into the next generation. And so do what Pastor David encouraged you to do. Pray for them this week. We're so excited about what God is doing. I'm going to get a chance to come and speak along with some of our other staff. But um, who is ready to get into the Word of God this morning? We are in the middle of this message series, and I got good news for you. The end is near. <laughs> we are getting close to the end of this message series called Sculpted, God's Masterpiece in Progress. And for many of us, we're holding on to that Ephesians 2.10 that says, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus anew to do the good works that he planned for you long ago. And so this whole idea of this message series based on the book of Ephesians is that God has a plan and purpose for your life that is bigger than what you could ask, think, or imagine. And yet we're not there yet. We are a masterpiece in the making, that God is shaping us, he's molding us into the people that he's made us to be. And so today, we're going to explore an area now as we've transitioned into living out what Paul taught us about who God is and who we are in him, we can say yes and amen, but now it's where the rubber meets the road. It's where we learn to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk out and live in this new life and in the purpose for which God has for us. And today, probably one of the most important subjects out of any of them is as Paul gets in into the latter part of chapter 5 of how we do relationships God's way, God's divine order in our relationships. In fact, I was reading... Harvard University did a study for 40 years. 40 years they did this study on what makes people healthy and happiest. And would you know that after 40 years of doing research and spending millions of dollars and going through data after data after data, they came to a very complex conclusion. You want to hear what it is? Here it is that what makes people happy and healthiest is their relationships. Now, bro, I could have told you that from reading the Bible for one minute. And what we're going to see today is Paul showing us that God gave us a divine order and a script to follow if we're going to have happy, healthy relationships. So turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to jump in to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And I'm going to uh, say it just like this. I don't have my Bible. I'm going to give you one verse to start. Are you ready? Are you really ready? It says this. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I could drop the mic and we could be done right there. But I believe God has something more for I want to say that one more time and then we're going to pray. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father God, we thank you for this time together this morning. God, we thank you for an amazing time of worship, that your power and your presence touched us deeply. God, that you prepared our hearts even for this word that you've given me to share. We give you this time. We ask that you use it to change us, to challenge us, to make us more like your son Jesus. Help us, God, to love like him. And Father, we lift up our great nation to you, the United States of America. Father, we, we ask on behalf of this nation that you forgive us for turning away from you. And we ask that you would forgive us and heal our land. God, we pray that revival would sweep over this nation once again. That you would awaken your church for such a time as this. That you would awaken your people to the high calling to follow you and to love you with all our heart. And God, I want to lift up our youth as they're ready to go to youth camp. We pray over them. We pray a hedge of protection around them. And the leaders, God, we pray your anointing upon the leaders, God, and the speakers. Father, we pray that you would encounter our kids in a real way, that their faith would get 
rooted and grounded in you and everything that you have for them this week. Father, I pray that destinies would be released into our youth this week. God, I pray for encounters with you that would mark them and change their life and the course of the direction of their life forever in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. The title of my message to you this morning is called Win by Submission. Win by Submission. Now, I thought about calling it Woman, submit. But I thought, you know, that might not be good. Uh, now, 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 ladies, hold your stones, okay? Um, before you get, let me get on with the rest of the message because I, I think you'll get it. But it's a, it's a little joke between my wife and I. Now, God blessed me with a little sass in my wife. She's, she's a little sassy. She's, uh, she's got a little spice to her. And uh, I said, thank God for that. Um, I wouldn't want to have a dull, boring wife, but there are so many times, in fact, I was thinking that um, I like to chew gum, and my wife gets annoyed at my gum chewing, and so I'll be chewing gum, and my wife will tell me, cut that out, or stop chewing like that, and, and there could be this, this battle between us sometimes over who controls what, and, and, and the reality is, is that we all want our way, don't we? That, that ingrained in us is there this natural selfishness, this bent towards wanting our own way, wanting to control things, wanting to control circumstances, wanting to control people. And Paul is going to show us the secret, what I believe is the secret ingredient. You ever know a secret ingredient? Now, I don't know how many of you love Chick-fil-A, but I love their Chick-fil-A sauce. How many Chick-fil-A Chick sauce people do I have in the room? We have tried to recreate that sauce in my house, and we cannot do it. And I don't know what we've Googled, what's the secret ingredient, and, and I don't know what it is, but there's just something about that special ingredient that makes it work, that makes it what it is, that makes it distinctive. Paul, I believe, is going to give us the secret ingredient to having, a, having happy healthy relationships in our life, no matter whether it's in marriage, whether it's with our children, whether it's with our co-workers, no matter whether, whether it's within the church, no matter what it is, there's a secret that Paul is going to give us to happy and healthy relationships. Now, I love this quote. It's, I'm not sure who this quote attributes it to. It's anonymous, but it says this, there are three words that save a marriage, and they're not, I love you. They are Maybe you're right. <laughs> Can I get an amen, somebody? No, you don't, you, no I, I'm not getting very many amens on that one. Maybe you're right. Because the reality is, is the title of my message, Win by Submission, it's a little play on words, you see. Now, how many UFC fans do, I, do we have here? Yeah, we got some out there. UFC, for those of you who don't know, it stands for Ultimate Championship Fighting. And, um, and what it is is Mixed Martial Arts or MMA. And it's a, it's a combination. It's AKA cage fighting. It's when they put two dudes or or now women in a ring. That's that's even more scarier when they put the women in the ring, and um, and you're in this octagon. You're in this cage, and basically, you know, it's timed like boxing, but anything goes. You can box. You could punch. You can do a little and a kind of squeeze, or you could a little pile drive to the face, huh? Um, you could do anything that you need to do, and there's actually two ways that you can win um, in UFC. You can win by old-fashioned knockout, or you could win by this thing called submission. Now, now I don't know how many of you know this, but what happens when somebody gets you, and, and this is part of what they try to do, is they try to get their opponent in a position where they're in control and they can't move, and they cut off the circulation to one part of your body, in particular your head. And what happens is as blood flow gets cut off to your head, you can black out. Now, if you're smart, you're not going to let it get to that point. What you're going to do is something they call tap out. You, you submit. And if you tap on the person's shoulders two, three times, what you're saying is, I submit, you win, I give up control. And so I think it's a picture of, of in our human nature, all of us want to win. We want our way. We want control. But Paul is saying in the upside-down kingdom of the kingdom of God that we don't win as followers of Jesus. We don't win the way the world does. 
We don't win the way, our way, when we try to get our way. We actually win when we give in to God's way of doing things. That's how we win. We can actually win when we live fully submitted to God and to his divine order and the authority that he's placed in our life. And so I want to help us this morning understand, because I think this, this concept, this idea of submission, we could tend to think of it as a little outdated, a little old-fashioned. Now, come on, Paul, really? Like, maybe this worked for you back in the day there, but this doesn't really translate to modern-day culture, doesn't really translate to 2020, where everybody's fighting for equality, and everybody wants their rights, everybody's entitled to something, and nobody wants to submit to somebody else. That's the day and age and the culture that we live in. And so um, I want to help us understand what this word submission means so that we can win by submission. Now, the word is actually the Greek word hypotasso. And what it means, it's actually a military term. The word was a Greek military term, and it means to arrange troops and divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In a non-military use, this is interesting, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Now think about this. Submission or um, authority, divine order, and this is what we're going to see Paul is trying to, to help us with today, is, is understand that there is a divine order that God created things in. And that when we try to remove ourselves out from God's divine order and his authority in our life, we get in trouble. And so I think there's a lot of confusion, and I'm going to try to help us understand not only what submission is, which I, I like to think, now I'm a dude, and so dudes think about sports, right? And so when I think about submission, I didn't serve in the military, maybe some of you did, you understand, in fact, um, Jesus one time, there was a Roman soldier who wasn't a follower of Jesus, but he understood this term submission. He understood that there's a divine order and authority. And he came to Jesus because he needed, his daughter was sick and she was about to die. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, would you please come and, and, and heal my daughter? But he actually says to him, that you don't even need to come, that I realize that you can just speak a word and it can happen because I'm a man under authority because I understand divine authority and I understand that just you speaking the name because you have authority, she can be healed instantly without you even laying hands on her. And this is the same idea of submission. I, I like when you think about it like this, that as a dude, I think of sports, and I think about a team, and I think about football, and I think about the New York football giants who I cannot wait to watch this fall. But when I think about that, I think every team has a, an order to it that makes, that organizes it, and that helps it um, achieve its mission and its goal. When you think about the word submission, it is when I come under the mission that I think more about the overall mission than I do myself and the individual. Now, when you look at teams that win, and win a Super Bowl in particular, win a championship, they have a team-first mentality. They understand that I have my place on the team, that I have a role, and that when I do my role and I um, come underneath the mission and put the mission over myself, that I have a better chance to win than when I try to do things on my own and for my own glory. And so when you think about a football team, for example, you have a general manager who organizes the team and takes care of the business of the team. You have, um, you have a coach who leads the team, helps the team prepare. And then on the team, you have the quarterback. And the quarterback is the one that gets the plays, gives it to the rest of the team. And then you have individual players. And ind each individual player has to come underneath the leadership of the quarterback, who has to come underneath the leadership of the coach, who has to come underneath the leadership of the general manager. And it organizes it and gets everybody aligned, moving in the same direction, under the same mission, working together for a common goal that we're going to win. So that's this word submission. Yet, we don't like it. We buck it. We think that is old-fashioned. It doesn't work. And so I think the problem is 
we've got the wrong idea about what submission is and what it isn't. So let me try to help you a little bit. Let me share with you what submission is not. Number one, submission isn't to be used for personal power or gain. Submission is never meant to be used for own personal power or gain. Yet so many people, whether it's in the context of marriage, or it's in the context of the family, or it's in the context of the workplace, or it's in the context of the church, problems happen with submission when you take authority into your own hands outside of the will of God and use it for your own personal power and gain. People get hurt. And submission gets a bad rap. The second thing is this, that submission isn't. Submission isn't representative of a person's value. Too many times we think that God has put in place a divine order, and because of that order, that when I submit, I'm saying I'm not as worthy or valuable as my husband or as my father or as my manager at work. Can I tell you something? That divine order has absolutely nothing to do with how God sees you, your value to him as a son or daughter, your value in the kingdom of God. In fact, one theologian put it this way, and I love this. It says, anyone who served in the armed forces knows that rank has nothing to do, has to, sorry, has to do with order and authority, not value and ability. I'm going to read that again. It has to do with order and authority, not value or ability. And if you look at our culture today, there is so much confusion because everybody wants to do what they think is right in their own eyes. They want to take, they want to rule their own life and nobody else can tell them what to do. So much to the point now where people are choosing their own gender, who I'm going to be. Not based on how God has biologically created us, but I am not submitting to even my own biology, but I'm going to dictate even how, what you call me. I'm a, a, they, whatever personal pronoun that you decide that you want. It's crazy when I have my eighth grader coming home to me and telling me that there are eighth graders telling the teacher what they want to be called and what sex they are. And that is the day and age and the culture that we're living in that nobody is submitted even to their own biological genetic makeup anymore that we are trying to come out from even who we are and how God made us and determine I'm going to be who I want to be. And that is just, just sad because that is not a recipe, that is not an ingredient for a happy, healthy life. In fact, it causes chaos and confusion in our society. And I've never lived in such a time where there's been more chaos and more confusion because everybody is trying to determine for themselves what is right within their own eyes. And I believe God is saying, if that's the way you want it, you can have it. And he's removing his hand from it. The third thing that, that submission isn't, it doesn't go against, never goes against, the authority of the word of God or governmental authority. So in other words, that it never will contradict the authority of the word of God in our life. If somebody that you are in submission to, whether it's in the context, again, of marriage or um, of a child, and, you know, that gets a little tricky, but if, or in the workplace or in the church, if anybody uses their God-given authority or leadership over you to try to get you to do something uh, apart from the word of God, or that is exercised outside of governmental authority because the word of God says that all government authority is ordained by God. Now, we may not like that, but that's what the word of God says. And, and here's the problem with our modern-day cultural context. We, I believe, in the church are hurting ourselves by allowing culture to dictate how we live our life. We look at texts like this, and we could say, we could throw this away and say, you know what? This was Paul talking back in, in thousands of years ago. It had into the cultural context of that day, and it doesn't translate into 2021. Now, let me tell you something as your pastor. I love you, and I want to save you from a lot of heartache in your life. We, we cannot afford to allow culture 
to shape our biblical view. We cannot allow our culture to say what we take is true and what we submit to as the authority of the Word of God in our life. We were meant to allow the authority of the Word of God to shape our cultural context, not the other way around. But I think too many times we're allowing culture to dictate how we see the world, how we live, and what we do, and we are removing ourselves out from the divine order and authority of God, and you, we will pay a price if we continue to do that. We will see chaos. We will see confusion. Let me tell you something. If you believe that the word of God is the authority in your life, then it is the authority in your life. You can't pick. Now, we like to take little scriptures and put them on bumper stickers, and we like to pick and choose the ones we like. But Pastor Lance, I love Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Oh, yes, God's going to prosper me. He's not going to harm me. He's going to give me a future and a hope. We like to write it on little postcards and put it in our cars and remind ourselves of that and put it on T-shirts. But we like to leave out scriptures we don't like because we don't want to submit to those. And so we pick and choose parts of the Bible that we believe in, that we're going to live by, and we throw out the others. And in doing so, we completely remove the blessing, the protection, the provision of God in our life. Let me tell you the fourth thing that that submission is not, and this may be the most important. Submission is not the right to abuse anyone. It is not the right to abuse somebody just because Biblically, God has put you in a leadership role or in a place of authority as a husband, as a father, as a manager. It gives you no right to physically, mentally, emotionally, verbally abuse somebody because you're in that situation. I've heard too many horror stories of, of men taking scripture and using it as hostage, as a prison over their wives to subdue them, to leave them out of the equation. Look it, this is a mutual submission. It's a mutual submission. And we do it beginning with starting to submit to Christ. So the, the first thing that I have for you, that if we're gonna, we're gonna learn how to win by submission, is that we have to understand that submission starts with submitting to Christ. Like, I am submitted to Christ and his authority and leadership in my life, and when I'm submitted to him, everything else falls in divine order. Look, at we're in this message series talking about sculpting, and we believe that, that God, through that amazing passage of Scripture that we love to hold on to, that we are God's masterpiece. We're his handiwork, that he's shaping us, he's making us, he's got a destiny and purpose for us, and he does but how many times do we remove ourselves out of the very process that God uses to shape us, to mold us? Do you know that um, as a sculptor, that when you have a piece of clay, there, there's, there's a term stubborn clay. <laughs> now, I don't know how, ma how many of you in the room today that you're control freaks, like you love to be in control. Now, I know some of you just didn't raise your hand because you're like, Pastor Lance, you're not gonna tell me to raise my hand. Um, but I'll raise my hand if I want to, but I'm not going to raise my hand because I like to be in control. How many stubborn people do we have in the room? Thank you, stubborn people. Thank you for your honesty. How many rebels do we have in the room today? You love to rebel. Yes, praise God. I, <laughs> I have been all of those things and many more. And, and the reality is, is that, that when we take our lives into our own hands and we want control, we want to make decisions apart from God. We want to make decisions for our life uh, apart from the Word of God and, and out, coming out from under submission to the Word of God and His authority in our life that God can't do anything with us. In fact, when there's a stubborn piece of clay, when they can't get it to mold and shape and they work with it, and I love that, that it says, the Bible says in two, uh, Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's handiwork, that His hands are all over us. The world should see God's fingerprints on us. And yet we, we are so stubborn, we don't want it. We resist the very thing that God is trying to use in our life, this thing called submission, um, to shape us and to form us. Look at what Isaiah 45.9 says. It says this, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? 
Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop it, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? But how many times do we, do we look at our life and say, God, now we may never verbally say this, but in our heart we posture ourselves, God, I know better what to do with my life. I'm taking my life into my own hands. In fact, in Matthew 16, 24 through 26, this was, Jesus was speaking right into this when he said, then Jesus, I love this, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. You know the disciples needed some work, don't you? And we need some work too. And Jesus goes to work on us. How does he go to work on us? He said this, anyone who intends to come to me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, but yet so many of us, we're backseat Christian drivers. We want to say, God, I know better for my life. I'm going to drive my life. I'm going to let my own desires, my own passions drive my life. And he says this, don't run from suffering. Well, I'll tell, I could be honest with you. This is a hard process. When God is shaping you, when he's molding you, when he, allow, he allows circumstances, we sang it today, that, that you're going to take everything that the enemy meant for evil and use it for my good. Therefore, when I go through things where I'm suffering that are hard, that are painful, I realize and recognize God is going to use it to shape me, to mold me into the person. When I look back in my life, I would not be standing up here today if it wasn't for the things that I've suffered. That God has used the things that I've suffered so many more times. You want to know why? Suffering gets our attention. When things are going good in my life, just like in the Israelites back in the day, we have a tendency to just cruise, put it on cruise control. And what happens is we fall asleep at the wheel. And we just go through life and years click off the calendar. And we're just doing what we want with our life until something hits that makes us suffer. And we realize, oh my gosh, I've not been living my life submitted to God. Here, here's, here's the Peter said this. I believe it was Peter. I could get it wrong. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in due time. Here, here's the picture. When I am submitted to God's authority in my life and his word over my life, there is a protection and provision that comes from me submitting and coming underneath the hand of God. But when I choose to come out from the hand of God, I choose to take my life in my own hands. And when I do that, I come out from his blessing, his provision, and his protection over my life. And he says, if you want it your way, have it your way. Live life how you want. That's why some of us are frustrated. We're, we're, we're frustrated because we're not seeing the, the financial protection and blessing. Our relationships aren't working. And it's because we've removed ourselves from out from under the mighty hand of God, the mighty hand of God. There's protection, there's blessing, there's provision when I choose to do that. It's a beautiful picture. May I remind you of the Garden of Eden? It all started with a choice. Do I allow God, do I, do I submit to what God has told me and only eat off the, the trees, only eat off the trees? He said, you're free to eat off any of the tree, any of them in the whole garden. Just don't eat off of this one because he left that one because there had to be a choice for them. And what did they choose to do? They choose, now it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree represents that I know better what to do with my own life than God does. And when I choose to come out from God's authority and choose to make my own decisions for my life, what happens is, what happened? It says their eyes were opened immediately and they started to fear. Every time we come out from the hand of God, we open ourselves up to fear, to insecurity, to anxiety. And this is why I believe so many people are struggling right now with depression, with anxiety, with fear in their life. It's at records, all-time records. In fact, young people, more than ever, in droves, teenagers, struggling on antidepressants and anxiety med medications. And I believe partly it's because they're growing out outside of the covering of God's divine order that, that in the family unit, there's a mother and father that are mutually submitting to one another, loving each other, and they're growing up in a loving home with parents that care about them and are raising up in the way of God. You slip into fear, slip into anxiety. I gotta be submitted to Christ 
first and I'm what's submitted to him, everything begins to fall into its right place in my life. And I love that. We got to give up control. One of the ways that we submit to God is when we honor one another, we honor God. When we honor one another, we honor God. Now, so many times I've heard people say, you know, pastor, I, I would submit to my husband. I would submit to my boss. I'd submit to my, my mother and my father, but they're not worthy of my honor. Do you know the way that I, so, so let me help you with this. I believe Paul is trying to help us show us that we don't honor because honor is deserved. We honor because of the one that is worthy of honor. And that's Christ, Christ alone. And so again, remember, it's not in an abusive situation or anything like that, those things that I went through, what submission isn't. But in the context, too many times we don't honor people because we think they're not worthy of honor because of how they act. Let me, let me help you explain what biblical true honor looks like. Honor looks like me the way God does. God says man looks at the outward appearance. But I, but I, God, I look at the heart. I know your destiny. I know your calling. I know what I'm making each person into. And when I look at my brother, sister, my wife, my kids, uh, people that work for me, through the context of my lens, through my humanity, and I only see the way they act right now, and I make an assumption that they are who they are, and I don't see them the way that God sees them, and I don't see the destiny and purpose in them, and I don't, I don't honor them because of who they are now. I honor them because they're honorable, because God says they're worthy, because Jesus died for them. That means they're a worthy person. That means that God is working in their life, and I may not see everything that God is doing, but I know that there's more in you that I'm seeing right now, and when I choose to honor you, I'm honoring the God-given talent, ability, gifting, purpose, destiny that God has placed in you. I may not see it right now, but I believe it. And when I call it out in the way that I honor you, I can actually draw it out of you. I do this for my kids. My kids, we, my wife and I, we, we've done this. They, we might catch them in a lie. And our natural tendency as a parent is to get on them for that lie and, and to punish them. And, you know, we handle it in a godly way. But at the same time, I want to make sure that they understand that just because they lied, because this is what the enemy does. He tries to take what you've done and tries to attach your identity to what you've done. And, and God detaches what you've done, your behavior, your sin. He casts it as far as the east is from the west. Why? Because he wants to separate it from your identity. That's not who you are. You're a saint. You're not a sinner. You're a son. You're not a slave to sin anymore. That's not your, just because you chose to lie, that doesn't mean you're a liar. You're not a liar. You're my son. You are a man of truth. You're a young man of truth. You're a daughter of truth. You walk in truth. You speak truth. There is truth all over you. You're going to walk in that destiny. Walk in that purpose. I'm honoring not just who you are right now. I'm honoring who God is making you to be. So I like to say it like this. There's three key relationships that Paul, and we're going to read here in a second, that he's going to hit. I like to say it like this. I'm a masterpiece in my marriage. I am his handiwork in my home. And I am his workmanship in my work. I'm his masterpiece in my marriage. I am his handiwork in my home. I am his workmanship in my work. Paul is reminding us that if we want to do great things for God, it starts in the home. It starts in the most important precious relationship that God has gifted you. A husband, were, are they perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. <laughs> Am I perfect? No. None of us are. That's the point. We have to learn to love each other the way that, that Christ shows us and loves. Look at Ephesians 22. It says this, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Amen. <laughs> Worship team, you could come back up. No, 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 but that's what we like, right guys? That's where we stop right there and here's, here's the kicker. Are you ready? 
You can't stop at verse 24. Because here's the kicker. And let me tell you something. With authority comes great responsibility. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I have never served my wife and loved her and her not respond in respect and love for me. Husbands, we got to stop pounding. Wives, submit, woman. Submit, woman. And we got to serve them. Just like Jesus serves the church and gave himself up for her. Fully surrendered. Sacrificial love. This is real love. Yeah, I know. I'm going to help some of you. that you're, You want to get married. Let me tell you something. Ken looks really good in the package. But when you take him out of the package, he's hollow inside. So you want to find a good husband? Find one that's going to get on his hands and knees and wash your feet. One that's going to serve you. I read about this 85-year-old woman. She never married. When they asked her, why didn't you marry? She said, I never found a man who could lead me. Like that. Like that. Ouch. Fellas, you want to find a good woman? Begin to start serving right now. Begin to get that servant heart in you. Now let's move on to children. I hope all my kids are here and you're taking notes right now. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. Look at this. This is, this is right for you. See, I'm not just doing it for my parents. I'm doing it because I'm submitted to Christ in the Lord. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. This is amazing so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Now, many of you probably noticed that I shaved my beard. And I'm trying to, my mother's clapping right now. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm trying to obey my parents because my mom is an esthetician, and, which means she's a skin therapist. And she's constantly telling me, shave that dirty beard. Do you know how much bacteria is in that beard? I'm trying to do the best New York accent. So mom, I'm trying to obey you by shaving. I look fabulous. She loves it. Obey your parents. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now that word exasperate, that's kind of interesting. What it means is, is don't provoke them to anger. And I thought about that, and I thought, how many times do we say something like, our, one of our kids is asking us, Hey, Dad, can I do this? And we say, no. We say, well, why? Because I'm the dad, and I told you so. I said, but, but why, Dad? Because I'm the dad, and I told you so. That's why. And we could exasperate. We could, we could turn our kids to anger and even rebellion. Paul, I believe, is trying to say to us, don't just say because I'm the dad and because I say so. Stop and take a moment to explain to them the heart behind it because I love you. I'm trying to protect you, son. I don't want you to uh, have all access to internet at 12 midnight with nobody else around in your room because that's dangerous. That's why. Let me tell you what it did to me and what I'm afraid that it can do to you if you just have access to anything you want. That's why. Because I love you. I care about you. I'm trying to protect you. Children, obey your parents and Lord. Now, now, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Don't provoke them to anger. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now we get into Paul transitions to, to workers, boss. Um, he uses the terminology slaves, masters. But let, let me translate that. Don't get hung up on that. That was, that was the terminology because that's how they did commerce back then. We don't do it that way today. So think about it as people you work for, people who are in leadership over you. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. This is, this, this is blow your mind kind of stuff. This isn't the way the world thinks. We, try to, we go to work and we try to do as little as possible. We try to skate by things. We, we talk bad about our bosses and, and we wonder why our Christian life, Paul is trying to help you win. Win by submission, submitting to God's ways of doing relationships. And when, I, when I'm a blessing, I, my business, whether it's my work or whether people work for me, should be a blessing to people. People should see God in the way I work 
He says, obey them not only to win favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So in other words, I'm working hard when my boss is watching me and I'm working hard when I'm working from home and nobody's watching me. I'm working hard because I'm not just doing it for a paycheck. I'm not just doing it for my employer. I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it to bring him glory. I'm doing it so that other people will see my work and say, what's different about you? Why do you work so hard? Why are you such a blessing to me? Whatever I ask you to do, you don't just do it. You do it awesome. You do it amazing. You do it with all your heart. And, and I have an opportunity to say, listen, I'm a Christian, and this is the way we do things. I'm submitted to God, and everything I do, I want it, whether I eat, whether I drink, or whatever I do, I do everything for the glory of God. That's part of my purpose. That's part of the reason I'm here. And then masters, people in leadership, people, if you're a boss, if you own your own business, treat your employees in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that uh, he who is both your master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. I love that he added that in. There's no favoritism with him. There's no value. Like, just because you work for somebody doesn't make you less valuable in God's eyes. There's no favoritism. So how does this play out practically? Let me tell you how it plays out practically. I could be watching my New York football giants play the Dallas Cowgirls and there could be a minute 47 seconds left in the fourth quarter Giants down by three and the Giants are driving and my wife she say to me honey would you mind come and wash the dishes and in that moment I have a choice do I do my way or do I submit and do I serve her the way that Christ did just like on the night before he was betrayed in the garden when he did not want to go to the cross he did not want to suffer. He did not want to submit to God's plan and God's way. And he knelt out on the ground. And he prayed one of the most beautiful prayers. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So fellas, what do we do in that moment? We put the remote control down. We've <laughs> you just ruined it, bro. You just ruined it for me. We put down the control in one hand. We put down the hot wing in the other. We lick our fingers of the buffalo sauce. We stop for a minute and we pray. Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your be done. And just like Jesus, instead of sweating drops of blood, we sweat drops of sweat and buffalo wing sauce. And we sweat, we sweat drops of Dorito cheese coming out, our nacho cheese coming out our pores. But what we do is we get up and we go and we wash the dishes. Now, children, you're not exempt from this conversation. You're in the middle of a Fortnite game, and it's down to you and the last three people, and your mom calls you up to come to dinner, or she calls you up to take out the garbage, and instead of saying, I'll be there in a minute, mom, you put down the controller, but your hand is gripped like this because you've been gripping it for the last hour, and you put your hand like this, and you pray, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, God and you sweat drops of Mountain Dew and Sour Patch Kids, but you get up from your seat and you obey your mom. Because I understand that submission to God-given authority was created for my, my protection and my provision. And God is good. The last thing that I have for you is this. Submission follows Christ's example. Submission follows Christ's example. Ephesians 5, 1, look at, in 2, look at how Paul started this whole thing. This whole passage starts with, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here, here's the last thing that I want to encourage you with. Be a sheep, not a goat. Be a sheep, not a goat. What do you mean by that, Pastor Lance? Everybody wants to be the goat. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The goat stands for 
It's an acronym, stands for greatest of all time, the GOAT. Now, there's so many arguments out there today. Who's the GOAT? Is it LeBron James? Is it Michael Jordan? Let me solve that for you just very easily. It's Mikey J. Come on, somebody. Give me some 23 Jumpman. And we are all witnesses to that. Thank you, Mr. James. I believe everybody wants to argue. We're no different. We want to be the GOAT. We want to be the GOAT in our house. Now, when I was growing up, a GOAT was a bad thing. Somebody called you GOAT. You know, that's not a positive thing. But today's day and age, everybody wants to be a GOAT. Why? why? The disciples were no different. On, on the night that Jesus, the very night that Jesus would be betrayed, he gathered his closest friends, the relationships that mattered to him most. And he brought them to an upper room. And he gave them a foreshadow of what he was about to do for them and for the rest of the world, for you and for I. And he told them that there's one sitting among you that's going to betray me. And they start murmuring and talking amongst themselves about who's going to betray them. And then slowly that conversation turns a little bit selfish into my way. And they start arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And you got to think in that moment, Jesus had to be wondering, did I pick the right guys? They're arguing with each other, and I could just picture this in this moment, Jesus' last moments with them. They're arguing about who's the greatest of all time. And you got John. John, it's, John had to drive Peter crazy. John was always talking in second person, the disciple that Jesus loved, the one that outran the other disciple to the tomb. He was always kind of puffing himself up, and, and, and you could think that this would just drive Peter crazy. And, and he would, Peter liking control and him saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, who was it that walked on the water while you were back in the boat writing about how much Jesus loves you? It was me, me. I was the one doing that. And him saying, oh, yeah, well, you fell. Well, yeah, well, at least I didn't get my mom to come to Jesus and ask for a place next to Jesus in heaven and asking to be the goat. And then you could see Jude coming up. Jesus, excuse me, because I think I should be the greatest. And I'm looking at Hey, Jude, I got something for you. Are you even a disciple? And they're arguing about who's the greatest of all time. And here's the most beautiful thing about the story. While they're trying to gain their place, Jesus is sitting among them. And he said to them, he said, you know what? In the world, people try to rule over you with authority. But he says, in my kingdom, it's different. If you're going to be my follower, you're going to have to follow my example. And what did he do? He got up from the table. He took a towel. He wrapped it around his waist. He got down on his knees. And he began to wash dirty, filthy, stinky feet. And it was more than just a moment of him cleansing their feet physically. It was representing what he would about to go do on the cross. It represented that all of us, we, we've walked through life, we've walked our own way, we've, we've all, all walked away. The Bible says we've all fallen short, we've all wandered, we've all gone our own way, we've gone astray. We've walked down some roads because we've chosen to take life into our own hands. And what happens is we get dirty, we pick up things along the way that stain us, that mark us, that get on us. And just like the prodigal son, there's a moment where we're awakened to the reality that we've been in the mud and I've tried to live life apart from God, but I remember that there was one that showed me the way, that he went to the cross and he didn't wash me with water and cleanse my feet, he washed me clean with his blood. He paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice. He surrendered and submitted to the only plan that would save you and me from the flames of hell. So what do we do? We say, I'm going to follow God's example. I can't tell you how many times in my life, in fact, I to be honest with you, you guys can dim the lights. I had to ask my wife to forgive me because as I read this passage and the Lord started showing me all 
the times that I could never get back of how many times I, I said a word to my wife or said something in the heat of the moment because I wanted my way. I said something short. I, I said something that cut her down. How many times did, did I come home from a long business trip and I felt like I did my duty just because I, I made a paycheck and I came home to put up my feet after a long week. And in the meanwhile, she's been serving my family, serving my kids, serving me. And I've taken that for granted. With authority comes responsibility. I couldn't think about how many times because I was tired or didn't want to have to deal with them. I was short with my kids, gave them a short answer, was harsh with them. Instead of serving them and loving them and, and helping them understand that I'm trying to protect them, they're a blessing. And I want to be a blessing to them. And the reality hit me that this is impossible to do without the Spirit of God. That I that this points me to my need for the Savior, that, that I need to come under Him and I need to come under His hand because under His hand is not only the place of provision and protection, but it's a place of power. It's the place where the grace of God is on me to do, to, to, to love people the way that God has called me to love them. So what do I do? I put myself under the mighty hand of God. I humble myself. And I let him, with his mighty hand, pick me up and say, come on, we can do this. It's the last thing I have for you. The only way that I can live submitted is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray right now, and I want to pray for you. I want you to just close your eyes right now. How many of you would just say, you'd be really honest? You'd say, I, I need to live a more submitted life. I want hands up all over the place. I need to con continue to just give control over to God so that I can live submitted to my husband, my wife, my children. But I need more of that power to do that in my life. I want to pray for you. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would come. We choose right now to surrender ourselves, to humble ourselves and admit and acknowledge our desperate need for you. I surrender to you. God, forgive me for trying to control my husband. God, forgive me for trying to control my wife and having a heavy hand on her. God, will you forgive me for exasperating my children? God, forgive me for treating my, my workers uh, poorly. God, forgive me for slacking off on the job and taking it lightly. Today, I choose to humble myself and submit to you under your mighty hand. And I ask that you would empower me with your hand of strength and your grace and your spirit and your presence in my life so that I can love people the way that you love them. Now, come on, stand to your feet. Let's worship. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.